As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, and when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. Today is Friday, January 5th, 2024, coming up on Roller Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. The state-run court in Mississippi's majority black state capital is becoming a reality after attempts for a permanent injunction failed. Jackson's city council president and the impact policy council for the Mississippi Center for Justice will join us to discuss what it means for the city. He did his best to protect the Capitol on January 6th. Now he's running for Maryland's 3rd Congressional District. Former Capitol Police Officer Harry Dunn will be here to explain why he is running for Congress. Donald Trump will get his day before the Supreme Court. The court has announced they are going to hear the ruling by Colorado Supreme Court to remove him from the ballot for violating Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Last night, CNN at a town hall with Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley in Iowa. My goodness. She sounded even more stupid talking about slavery and also the Confederate flag uh, in, but coming down in that state. We'll break it down for you. December's jobs report was better than expected. Mm. Now you go to black unemployment rate and the black men's unemployment rate taking a tumble. Oh, yeah, y'all actually happened. Plus... I don't like mess, but when you lie on me, then I gotta go ahead and correct you. So I got a few words for Omar Johnson for lying on Joe Button's podcast when he came on my TV One show six years ago. You still lying after six years? Yeah, I'ma bring the funk. And it's time to bring the funk on Roller Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network, let's go. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. Yeah. It's a go, go, roll, y'all. Yeah. It's rolling, Martin. Mississippi Capital Complex Improvement District Court is now a reality. The NAACP sued on behalf 
of several Jackson, Mississippi residents asking for an injunction to stop the court appointments and creation of the court. But U.S. District Judge Henry Wingate denied that. On January 1 was the start date. Uh, it was delayed by temporary uh, administra administrative stay granted by a panel of the U.S. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. But on Thursday, the court vacated that stay. House Bill 1020 was signed into law in April of last year to address violent crimes and bolster public safety in the capital city, but not just in the capital city, only in a very small area. Joining me now from Jackson City Council President uh, Aaron Banks, as well as Blake Feldman, the Impact Policy Council for the Mississippi Center for Justice. Glad to have both of you here. Well, we've been covering this story, President Banks, and let's just be just real clear here. This is not dealing with all of Jackson. He's dealing with a very small portion of Jackson. And really, we showed the map before where most of the city's white residents actually live. That is that is correct, Roland. Uh, it deals with the area of Jackson, almost as if it is creating a city within the city. Uh, you're talking about the Fundren, um, Bellhaven areas. You're talking about your downtown area. It does include Jackson State University, the updated map, uh, which is, of course, our renowned HBCU here. Uh, but the, the, the deal is, when you see the Capitol Police, uh, you see three or four units pulling over or dealing with one homeless person. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's a waste of manpower. And so when we talk about, you know, these judges, when we talk about taking the authority away from the people of Jackson uh, to be able to elect the circuit court judges, to be able to uh, make sure that we have a voice and who represents us and who deals with our courts and, and how we deal with our issues, you know, uh, I have big problems because at the end of the day, and even more so now that we're going into our legislative session, you know, we need a partnership with the state at the end of the day. We don't need a taskmaster, you know, we don't need an overseer, but we need partnership. And, um, you know, hopefully we could find a way to get there this legislative session. Uh, but but right now, you know, it's just, it's, it's, I think we all know exactly what it is. Well, here's the deal here, uh, Blake, and again, we've covered this numerous times. I have yet to be shown any data that explains this. They haven't offered any. This is simply uh, largely white Republicans in Mississippi deciding to do this uh, in the blackest city in the country. It's not based upon data. It's, it's absolutely not. And that's another thing, too, about um, allegedly this being a good faith attempt to uh, promote public safety. One of the provisions of House Bill 1020 that was struck down for violating the state constitution was they were going to pack the circuit courts with unelected judges. Um, circuit courts deal with felony matters. We've heard all legislative session, we've heard all throughout these uh, different uh, legal challenges to this bill and its companion bill um, that this is all about public safety and there's all this violent crime and homicide and all these things in Jackson. So today, Tate Reeves say, applauding the Fifth Circuit saying, we're gonna make Jackson safe. This is a municipal court. Nobody has alleged that the Jackson Municipal Court has a backlog. Nobody's alleged that 
um, because of failures at municipal court or justice court, like very low-level courts, that that has anything to do with violent crime. This is this will do nothing to address violent crime. All that this does is it meets the same goal that that other provision did with packing the circuit courts. It is effectively overriding the local control that voters and elected officials in Jackson and Hines County had over their justice system and that every other resident and voter of every other city in the state of Mississippi and every other county in the state of Mississippi enjoys. All that it is is saying you don't get to control your justice system unlike every other municipality in the state. We are going to control it in this little area. It's little, but it has 50% of the white population of Jackson. Um, the city of Jackson, I think in the 2020 census, had um, 20, a little over 25,000 white people with the expanded boundaries of the CCID, over 12.5, over 12,600. I mean, we're at 50%. 50% of the white people in Jackson in this tiny area, this city within a city that is going to be run by, not by people appointed by the mayor that they chose, the city councilors that they chose, but by an attorney general who I think in the past two elections, over 83% of the people of Jackson, the voters, voted for her opponent. And a white Supreme Court justice who is elected by people on the coast. Um, it's all about saying black people cannot be trusted to with, with uh, local rule, with uh, home rule, with the same <laughs> and democratic rights that every other citizen in the state of Mississippi gets to enjoy. Uh, Aaron, the thing here, Republicans love talking about local control, except when they don't control the local government. Uh, I, 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 it amazes me when I hear the constant trashing of Jackson, Mississippi, but Jackson, Mississippi provides the bulk of the money that funds the state. So uh, it, it's, it, it's amazing how they don't mind the money from all these black folks in Jackson, but they sure as hell love trashing the black folks in Jackson. Yeah, you know, Roland, we've dealt with that for quite some time, you know, taking away, you know, our ability to govern. Uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, sadly enough, uh, we have to begin to push the narrative. Um, and it takes shows like this to help push the narrative on, you know, the the, the hypocrite. Because here's where, where, where the state is hypocritical. The, the problems that have gotten us where we are with our crime. Do we have crime problems? Yes. You know, uh, do we need help from our state? Yes. But not adequately funding our public schools, not adequately funding programs that deal with mental health, not adequately funding our homeless population, not adequately funding, you know, uh, uh, the, the things that deal with pursuit or even having an interlocal agreement with our agencies. These are the things that the people in this CCID district are afraid of. And so at the end of the day, yeah, why Jackson does have its share of problems, there has to be the level of respect that it shouldn't be, oh, 
look at them, they can't run a city, we need to come in there and help them do it. And that is the viewpoint from our surrounding cities, from our surrounding co uh, counties, and people that represent certain counties in the legislature that sponsored this bill that don't even spend time in Jackson. That when we had rolling uh, four weeks without water, didn't come down here and even try to pass out a bottle of water. So at the end of the day, yeah, we have these deep-seated issues. And yes, it's been a fight to take over our government for a while, from the airport takeover, from take trying to take over our system. Thank God the federal government has come in uh, and implemented a third-party administrator so that the state wouldn't put us in receivership. But at the end of the day, we have to be serious about making sure that the state is held accountable. And, and I know that one way we do it at the voting booth, but the other way we do it is that we got to be unfiltered and we got to call it out. And again, we don't need our state to be a taskmaster or an overseer. We need them to be a partner with us. And right now, we are we in a legislative session. You know, I have talked to some of our delegations, the Black Caucus. You know, right now, the only fight we have while this is in the courts is to try to make sure we can get some modifications or improvements. And so we got to start talking about these pursuits. We got to start talking about what an interlocal agreement looks like. You have a police force that's right here in the capital city that doesn't even have a system that communicates with the system that the city of Jackson has or County. How do they work together? What is this? This is a city within the city implementation, yep. and we have to continue to call it out, and we have to make sure that we're doing all we can right now during legislative session to make those improvements and modifications. Uh, I'm curious, uh, Blake, um, are they going to deal with the voting irregularities and, and the screw up in the ballots in Hines County since they want to be in Hines County business? I mean, I tell you, I mean, I think everybody was concerned with it. I mean, everybody who was concerned with this. I mean, what we're seeing in all of these days when you talk about uh, conservatives love uh, local control, except for when they're not in control, one of the first thoughts in people's mind was, is this going to be pretext for them to try to take over yet another piece of Jackson and Hines County residents' rights? Um so it's something that we will be keeping an eye on. Um, I've heard rumors. We haven't seen any bills dropped that would do that. But um, would it be uh, disgusting and malicious and in bad faith? Absolutely. Would it be surprising? No, it wouldn't. Uh, but I think that they will find that... Uh, People are prepared. People are not going to be caught off guard. And if they think that we resisted last session when House Bill 1020 uh, hit the House floor, uh, we're going to be even more ready uh, this session uh, if uh, other attacks come. And one other thing that I want to uh, say, uh, the... Um, it was just mentioned the voting booth is one way to affect change and to make our voices heard, but we also have to be unfiltered. Lots of people say go to the polls and go to the streets and go to the courts. I do want to say one of the most concerning things about the CCID court is that because they claim to be concerned with violent crime, but municipal courts don't have jurisdiction over violent crime. They have jurisdiction to uh, sentence people for very low-level offenses, um, traffic violations, ordinance violations. 
disorderly conduct, things that in the past in Mississippi and in the present in Mississippi, protesters are arrested for. Um, also, in this tiny little majority white city within a city that's not really a city at all, it's a fake city. Gotcha. Created, um, they can send people arrested for these very minor offenses to prison. I do think that um, there is an intent to silence people, to enforce respectability politics. Got it. In the companion bill, they tried to say that you have to ask for the state's permission to protest. Uh, <laughs> we got an injunction to stop that. But these were two bills that they brought together. They were part and parcel, and they want uh, Black people to stay out of the CCID. They want Black people to be scared of going through the CCID. Right. And they want them to be scared of being unfiltered. Well, and that's also why we also keep saying our folks was why we got to turn out in mass. Uh, because, again, about 38,000 people had turned out. There'd be a new governor in uh, Mississippi. But unfortunately, that was not the case. Gentlemen, I certainly appreciate it. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much. Folks, got to go to a break. We come back. Uh, more on Roland Martin Unfiltered, including the Supreme Court taking up the case of Colorado tossing Donald Trump from the ballot. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Can't wait to get into that. All right, folks, you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Don't forget, support us in what we do. Join our Bring the Funk fan club. Your dollars make it possible. Our goal every year, folks, is to raise a million dollars from our fans. It's a whole new year. We didn't hit our goal last year. Uh, and here's this very simple. If 20,000 of our fans, those of you who are watching, those of you who are previous fan club uh, donors, those of you uh, who are uh, listening to us as well, all we need is 20,000 folks, okay, contributing on average 50 bucks each. That comes out to $4.19 a month, 13 cents a day. That million dollars is huge for us to be able to continue the work that we do. Not just for this show, folks, which is two hours. Uh, not just for uh, um, uh, Faraji Muhammad's show, but we've got multiple shows. We do five hours of original news every single day right here on Rolling Mark Unfiltered. More than any other black-owned media outlet, nobody else does what we do every single day. Uh, and so your dollars are crucial to us being able to cover the stories that absolutely matter. So send your check and money orders to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash App, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered, PayPal, R. Martin Unfiltered. Venmo's RM Unfiltered. Zell, rolling at rollinsmartin.com, rolling at rollinmartinunfiltered.com. And, of course, be sure to download the Black Star Network app. Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. Uh, we'll close, but folks, let's hit. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com.
Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> Ooh. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yemi's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. 100,000 downloads, uh, and uh, please support us that way. I'll be right back. All right, folks, some breaking news. The Supreme Court has announced it is going to take up uh, the Colorado decision uh, to kick Donald Trump off of the ballot. This is the headline of the New York Times. Uh, the justices are going uh, to determine wh- whether the Colorado's decision uh, is an appropriate one. Uh, guys, pull it up. Uh, so that's what's going on here. Uh, of course, oral arguments will take place on February 8th. Uh, Maine has also made the determination to kick him off of the ballot. Huge, huge decision. Uh, let's talk about it uh, with uh, our panel. Matt Manning, civil rights attorney, uh, joins us now out of Corpus Christi. Also, we have uh, Killer Bethea, communication strategist out of D.C., uh, Michael Imhotep, host, African History Network show out of Detroit. Glad to have all three of y'all. Happy New Year. Matt, Happy uh, New Year. initially the court was like, all right, you know, the, the lower court, uh, got to hear it first. Uh, now, after Maine's decision, they realize, yeah, kind of got to get off your butt. Here's the deal, though. He will remain on the March 5th Colorado ballot. But the question is, if they rule in favor of Colorado, then what happens uh, to his name? Um, at the end of the day, uh, they were going to have to make this decision anyway. Okay? And frankly, what they should have announced in December was they were going to be hearing this in January. That's what they should have done. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they should have, you know, taken it up with haste because it's such an important question. I'm glad that they've taken it up. I was, you know, not sure what they were going to do. And thinking about this legally, what's really interesting about this issue is really whether the Supreme Court has to review the Colorado decision, what's called de novo, or whether they review it for an abuse of discretion. And what that means is when an appellate court is looking at a prior court's decision, sometimes they review it to say, okay, did they make a mistake? Um, We're going to give full deference to their decision. And then other times they say, we're going to look at the issue anew, de novo, meaning we're going to take a new look at it. So 
The reason that analysis is important and that I've been really kind of interested in seeing how this plays out is because if they do it from an abuse of discretion standpoint, if they give that judge in Colorado discretion, then it's going to be problematic for the Trump team because presumably they're going to say that judge heard evidence and made an evidentiary ruling that he engaged in an insurrection. Therefore, we have no reason to think that she did not apply the law correctly or that her evaluation of the evidence was incorrect, you know, things in that, in that vein. However, if they look at it anew, then they'll be looking presumably just at the constitutional question. And what I think this comes down to, Roland, is really a question of whether the Constitution requires some kind of legal finding that somebody's engaged in an insurrection or whether it can be a factual finding. If it can be the latter, then I think the Supreme Court will come down on the side of he cannot be on the ballot where a state has determined he's engaged in an insurrection. If the Supreme Court construes it as saying there has to be a conviction or some kind of legal finding, then I think they will be ruling for Mr. Trump. And, you know, I don't have any allusions to six to three conservative court, but that's how I see the legal issues in this. And that's what I think they'll be taking up when they're evaluating this case. Well, the, the thing that's interesting here, uh, Kelly, is that these strict constructionists, uh, these people who believe in the literal interpretation of the Constitution, when you read Section 3, doesn't say conviction, doesn't say any of that. It says involvement in the insurrection or you aided and abetted. And not only that, it's the same people who are so gung-ho on states' rights, but when the state doesn't do what they want them to do on a national level, all of a sudden we, we got a problem. Um, I am, to echo Matt's point, I am glad that they're taking up the case, that Supreme Court is taking this question up. My fear is that even though I feel like it is constitutional for these individual states to do that, my concern is the ramifications of that being Republicans taking that and, and running with it, meaning they will come the next election. You know, hypothetically speaking, they, we, the Democrats, have a a candidate that the Republicans don't want on the ballot, and they will use this case whichever way um, the Supreme Court rules on it and 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 use that case law, whatever it may be, to their advantage to take a Democrat off the ballot unnecessarily so. And we do have precedent for Republicans taking good law and twisting it into something that becomes corrupt. That's my only concern with this. But as far as what I know the 14th Amendment to be and how it's being applied in these individual states, it does, sound, it does seem like it is constitutionally sound. Again, my concern is how it is going to be applied in the future when it is in corrupt hands. Well, I mean, he, he, here's the thing, Michael. Uh, go to my iPad. I mean, this is the 14th Amendment. Uh, it says sure. it's right. And again, if you actually read it, uh, it lays out, uh, you know, no person, senator, representative, or elector, of, or a president, vice president. Now, here's the thing that's interesting. So the Trump people are trying to suggest that he's not, and I'll go back to it, trying to suggest that he's not an officer, okay? Mm -hmm. and, 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 and they are they are desperate to create this notion that the president is above and beyond everybody, that you cannot apply any law whatsoever to the president of the United States. What well, the problem with that logic is that the president is sworn to uphold and protect the Constitution from enemies, enemies uh, within and abroad. 
and so there's this idea that, oh, you somehow are in such a special category that nothing applies to you is absolutely bogus. Yeah, it's absolutely bogus, but this is the hand that the um, Trump attorneys are dealt with. And this is a... Um, this puts the 6-3 conservative majority Supreme Court in a quandary. And this is laid out in the piece from the Atlantic.com that Adam Sewer wrote called The Colorado Ruling Caused the Originalist Bluff. The Colorado Ruling Caused the Originalist Bluff. Now, to go to the original text or go to the intent, as you stated before, it does not say that you have to be convicted of being um, uh, participating in an insurrection, okay, or anything like that. But if we look at uh, correspondence from 1866 between two of the U.S. senators that helped to write the 14th Amendment, and uh, I can't take credit for this, Alex Wagner uh, revealed this on her show on MSNBC. It was a correspondence between Senator Reverdy Johnson and Senator Lord Morrill. And Senator Reverdy Johnson was asking, why doesn't explicitly uh, say uh, the bar the president or vice president? And Senator Lord Morrill said that it, he said, let me call to the uh, senator's attention to the uh, to the phrase any, okay? And he was saying this also uh, applies to president and vice president. They would be barred from holding office if they participated in an insurrection. So this will, that will, that correspondence will probably come up during the during the trial because it's clear this applies to any office if you took a oath to defend the U.S. Constitution. And, and the, uh, lastly, uh, the Trump attorneys are saying, well, the, the, the oath that the president takes is, is different than what is slightly different than what the House of Representatives takes or the U.S. Senate. It doesn't matter. It applies to any office, period. So he should yep. be barred from being on uh, any ballot in any of the 50 states. Uh, that should be the case. We will see what happens. Cannot wait to hear those oral arguments, especially uh, the the, uh, the gymnastics that Clarence Thomas, uh, as well as Sam Alito, is likely going to try to create mm -hmm. uh, when they try to get around, especially these so-called uh, these, these strict constructionists. All right, y'all, got to go to break. We come back, we'll talk to um, a former Capitol Hill police officer, Harry Dunn. He's now running for Congress. Why is he seeking an office, one of the offices that he helped to protect during the January 6, 2021 insurrection led by Donald Trump? Plus, I told y'all, I, I really... Remember that scene from The Godfather? He's like, they, I try to get out and keep pulling me back in. I, I can't stand these people who gossip, people who just make up lies, like Umar Johnson. We went with Joe Button podcast and lied about his appearance on my TV One show six years ago. Well, I gotta, I'm gonna respond with some CVS level receipts for his ass. That's at the top of the hour. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Next on The Black Table with me, Greg Carr, the enigma of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. What really makes him tick and what forces shaped his view of the world, the country and black America? The answer, I'm pretty sure, will shock you. And he says, you know, people think that I'm anachronistic. I am. I want to go backwards in time in order to move us forward into the future. He's very upfront about this. We'll talk to Corey Robin, the man who wrote the book that reveals it all. That's next on The Black Table, only 
on the Black Star Network. Grow your business or career with Grow with Google's wide range of online courses, digital training, and tools. Gain in-demand job skills with flexible online training programs designed to put you on the fast track to jobs in high-growth fields. No experience is necessary. Learn at your own pace. Complete the online certificate program on your own terms. Stand out to employers, get on a path to in-demand jobs, and connect with top employers who are currently hiring. Take one professional career certificate program or all six. Earn a Google Career Certificate to prepare for a job in a high-growth field like data analytics, project management, UX design, cybersecurity, and more. All professional career certificate programs must be completed by December 31, 2024. Scan the QR code to complete the application. There are 1,000 scholarships available. Grow with Google and J. Hood and Associates. Be job ready and qualify for in-demand jobs. in the place to be got kicked out your mama's university creator and executive producer of fat tuesdays the air hip-hop comedy but right now i'm rolling with roland martin unfiltered uncut unplugged and undamn believable you hear me All right, folks, uh, tomorrow is the third anniversary of the Donald Trump-led January 6, 2021 insurrection. Y'all remember, wasn't a little walk in the park. Y'all roll a video. They, they sit here and lied, talked about, oh, you know, uh, they were just, you know, just taking a normal tour. That's how Republicans uh, have labeled the actions even though you've got more than 700 people who've actually uh, been arrested by the feds for their involvement in that terrorist attack. My next guest was in the midst of the chaos and turmoil that disrupted the Electoral College vote count, resulting in nine deaths, assaults on at least 174 police officers, and millions of dollars in damage. Yep, those mag extremists, they're the reason former U.S. Capitol Police Officer Harry Dunn says he... Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council running for Congress. He dropped this video today. On this day, my role was as a Capitol Police officer. I'm Harry Dunn, and that meant putting aside who I am, a father, a Marylander, a Democrat, because I swore an oath to protect our Constitution, to protect our democracy. It's what allowed me to protect some members of Congress who I knew were bigots, who helped fan the flames that started all of this. I put country above self. The problem is, 
A lot of them didn't. Some of the same people who stood behind us when we protected them went back on the floor of Congress and stood behind Trump. They voted to acquit him. And worst of all, they denied the violence and trauma that led to the death of some of my fellow officers. I couldn't stand by and watch. I had another role to play. I used my voice to speak out, to get into good trouble. And a few weeks ago, I left the force after more than 15 years of service so that today I can announce I'm running for Congress. We can't ever let this happen again. And you've heard it from Trump himself. He is hell-bent on finishing what he started this day. I'm stepping into a new role today, but I can't do it alone. I believe every one of us has a role to play in this fight. So join me. We've got a democracy to protect. Folks, Harry Dunn joins us right now. I'm glad to have you here on the show. Uh, obviously, um, a decision like this uh, isn't an easy one. How long have you been thinking about this? Hey, thanks, Brother Roland, for having me on. Um, you know, I, I, I've been a public servant um, the last 15, 16 years of my life. So if you would have asked me before January 6th if I had thought about running for office, then sure, I may have considered it at the age of 57, 55, whenever I was forced to retire from my job. Um, but January 6th did happen, and here we are. Um, I, I stuck around as long as I could. I, I, there's this phrase or this saying that I heard, until there's nothing that can be done, there's always something that can be done. And I believe that I've done everything I can in the position as a Capitol Police officer to seek accountability, to protect democracy, to defend the Constitution. Um, and now I'm stepping into a new role. Uh, and the decision, like you said, it didn't come lightly. Um, I walked away from four years short of being able to retire and to receive my pension to because we can't wait. Democracy is literally uh, an election away from being extinct uh, and not being recognizable as we know it today. And um, we can't sit around and wait for somebody else to do it. So there's an opportunity right now for me to take another role, and I'm stepping into it. Um, the thing that is still interesting, let's say you're elected. You're actually going to be serving alongside people who have lied about that day people who were cowering and running for cover, but who turned around and are protecting these people, who are supporting Donald Trump, who says that he will pardon every single person who was convicted for what took place on January 6th. I mean, these are people who are, frankly, a joke. Yeah, you just said something very important, though. You said, I'll be serving alongside of them, not beneath them, not under them. I get a seat at the table. I get a voice now. It's hard for them to dismiss me as just an angry, pissed-off Capitol Police officer now. I'm your colleague. You have to sit there and listen to what I have to say. And, you know, I think that will be very beneficial. Like I said, I've done all that I could as a role as a Capitol Police officer. I was defending these individuals. Um, before the insurrection happened and three years after it. So I definitely can put my feelings aside and stand up for what I believe in democracy because they have the right to say that. They have the right to lie. They have the right to do everything that they're doing. Um, and I believe in defending that right uh, 
but it needs to be pushed back against by good, the real patriots of this country. Um, you, of course, you were a retiring congressman uh, in that particular uh, district. Look, when you run, you got to raise a lot of money to do so as well. Uh, and so beyond January 6th, what else are you focusing on? I'm glad that you said donate. Harry Dunn for Congress.com and, and donate to me. Um, obviously, so, you know, going back into what am I focused on, the big umbrella is democracy. So I align with democratic views when it comes to, you know, abortion, when it comes to common, uh, common sense gun reform, when it comes to securing voting rights and expanding voting rights, when it comes to lowering the cost for health care and prescription drugs. I stand with Democrats on all of those issues. But right now, what I refer to where we are right now is a moment. This moment, none of that matters. None of those issues matter if we get a dictator in Congress. And I say that not just, and I'll still, uh, Joe Biden's word is hyperbole. I don't say that as that. Donald Trump said out of his, his own mouth that he would wants to be a dictator. And even he jokes around and says only for a day. Like, do we not take that guy seriously? At what point do we stop, do we not Stop not taking him seriously. So, you know, I agree, obviously, with the Democratic platform, but none of those issues even get to see the light of day. We don't get to debate those if we don't protect this democracy that we have. Questions from the panel. I'll start with you, uh, Michael. All right. Uh, former officer Harry Duns, good to see you again. I saw you this morning on Morning Joe making the announcement as well. Thanks for coming on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Um, as, as a candidate uh, for Congress, and you mentioned at the top of the ticket, at the, the most important thing is saving the democracy, how would you explain to people, especially Generation Z, what democracy is and why it's so important to save it and protect it? You know, one of the biggest things, that's a great question, man. You know, one of the things that I've run into along all of this, the last three years of speaking out is indifference. A lot of people don't really care unless something is directly affecting them. So I think it's important right. to get the message out there why this is important to you specifically. You, um, you won't get the right to do that. Your mother, your sister won't have the right if she's raped by somebody and she's forced to have a rapist baby. You don't get a say anymore because, you know what, we, you live in a different zip code, so you know what? You can't vote for these individuals. So we need to make that clear to these individuals, the generation uh, that you just referred to. We got to make it clear that, yes, it may seem like all this stuff is happening on the news, and a lot of people like to distance themselves. I don't watch the news. It's too negative. Well, you better pay attention, because it's going to happen with or without you. And I want people to have a voice and to have a say in it, because the more people that have a say, the harder it is for these individuals to... To, to tear up democracy like a piece of paper. Right. Kelly? All right, thank you. Hi, Harry. Good to see you again. Um, thank you. So as we are both somewhat Marylanders, you're definitely a Marylander, obviously, um, reading up on specifically the 3rd District, um, you have already admitted that while you're not a resident of that district yet, you will be moving there once... Um, you win, you know, fingers crossed that you do win. Even though you are a U.S. Uh, congressman speaking this into existence, what are some of the issues of the <laughs> third district specifically that you plan on campaigning for, um, provided that you win? What are, what are some of those things that are specific to Marylanders that you will take with you to the Hill? 
You know, that's, that's a great question. And a lot of times, you know, the issues that we're facing in this country, um, they're not just exclusive to the country. They exist in Maryland, too. You know, people talk about high crime, and that's just not all across the country. That's here in Maryland, too. It's here, the cars getting stolen and everything. We have to address that. We have to fix that. One of the things that's very specific to Maryland is the infrastructure system. It should not take one hour to drive 15 miles, to drive from the district to drive 15 miles to Baltimore. It shouldn't take you one hour. So I would love to, you know, revamp and look at the infrastructure system. One of the things that's very, also very important to me is uh, I've been pounding the pavement about this is uh, mental health. Um, we have got, we have got to incorporate mental health into regular health care. Uh, we have to reduce the stigma and I am willing to do any and everything to uh, to get that on the forefront or some of some legislation. Additionally, excuse me, additionally, I, first and foremost, I'm going to talk to the district. Those are just some things that I want to do. I can't wait to get out there and talk to the voters. And, you know, I've always been this guy who just believes in public service. I'm a public servant. I'm a servant of the people. Use me. I'm a vessel. So I want to, them to pour into me and me be able to give them a voice on the floor of the House of Representatives in the halls of Congress. Matt? Thanks for coming back, and thanks for for your service, your storied service. Here's my question for you. I know you just made your announcement today, but what has been the response from law enforcement and the military, and what is your expectation about that? Because obviously, you were in the line of duty um, on one of the most important days in our history. But when we see law enforcement, you know, a lot of times they tend to skew conservative. So, what is the response been, and what is your expectation about support you might find from that contingent of people? You know, a lot of people that I've talked to specific, I, like I haven't seen organizations putting out statements or anything like that, but individuals that I work with, the police officers that I know, law enforcement friends, have been very supportive of me. And, um, you know, just for, and this isn't about a Democrat or Republican, this is about preserving our democracy. Working at the Capitol, uh, I think it's safe to say over my career, I've dealt with over a thousand protests and there are issues that I agree with issues that I don't agree with but you know what those individuals had a safe space to demonstrate and exercise their first amendment right and that's what all law enforcement and frankly all Americans should care about we shouldn't uh so when individuals like you said law enforcement my friends that they are very very receptive of um and and supportive of me wishing me well and everything like that because they know the people that I know, and that's why I look forward to getting out in the district and actually meeting people. The people actually know me, know that, sure, I have liberal views, but I'm not going to be dismissive of an individual just because they have different views as me. So generally, like you said, like most police unions tend to do, I, I would love to sit down with all of them and find out how can we work together. We, we're going to be here on this planet together. We might as well coexist. All right, then. Harry Dunn, we'll appreciate it. Uh, good luck in the campaign. Thanks, man. Harry Dunn, doc, Harry, Harry Dunn for Congress.com. Donate, donate, donate. Thanks a lot for y'all. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Folks, we come back. Nikki Haley, town hall last night with CNN. The hell is she talking about? About slavery and the Confederate flag? I can't wait to unpack. Plus, I got to address the lies of Umar Johnson when he went on Joe Button's podcast recently. Yep. Got lots of receipts, too. Yep. You're watching Rolling Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Don't forget, support us in what we do by joining our Brain the Funk fan club. Senior check and money orders at P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037 
1-800-242-0196. Cash App, Dollar Sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal, R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale, rolling at rollinsmartin.com. Rolling at rollinsmartinunfiltered.com. We'll be right back. Next on The Black Table with me, Greg Carr, the enigma of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. What really makes him tick? And what forces shaped his view of the world, the country, and Black America? The answer, I'm pretty sure, will shock you. And he says, you know, people think that I'm anachronistic. I am. I want to go backwards in time in order to move us forward into the future. He's very upfront about this. We'll talk to Corey Robin, the man who wrote the book that reveals it all. That's next on The Black Table, only on the Black Star Network. I'm Dee Barnes, and next on The Frequency, we're talking about the rise in great Black literature and the authors who are writing it. Joining me will be professor and author Donna Hill, discuss her writing journey and becoming a best-selling author. I always was writing, mm-hmm. but I never saw anybody that looked like me in the books that I was reading. Plus, her work with the Center for Black Literature and next year's National Black Writers Conference. That's right here on The Frequency on the Black Star Network. Don't you think it's time to get wealthy? I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and my new show on the Black Star Network focuses on the things your financial advisor or bank isn't telling you. So watch Get Wealthy on the Black Star Network. I'm Faraji Muhammad, live from L.A., and this is The Culture. The Culture is a two-way conversation. You and me, we talk about the stories, politics, the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. So join our community every day at 3 p.m. Eastern and let your voice be heard. Hey, we're all in this together, so let's talk about it and see what kind of trouble we can get into. It's The Culture, weekdays at 3, only on the Black Star Network. Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Devon Frank. I'm Dr. Robin B., pharmacist and fitness coach, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Well, last night, CNN had a town hall featuring Nikki Haley. Uh, Aaron Burnett of CNN uh, was one hosting this. It took place in Iowa, and... Um, Aaron asked her about a recent controversial comments regarding the Civil War, lack of bringing up slavery, stuff along those lines. And so, yeah, it was quite interesting. So roll the first one. Of course, is referring back to New Hampshire. You were asked to explain the cause of the Civil War. You obviously uh, did not mention slavery. And afterwards, you came up, you said that was a mistake. In fact, you said it should have been the first thing that you said. So you did come out and say that. Chris Christie, though, came out and said that you gave that answer not because in his, uh, you're, in his words, dumb or racist, but because you're, quote, unwilling to offend anyone by telling the truth. What do you say to that? No one's ever said that I am unwilling to offend. I offend plenty of people because I call people out when they do something wrong. Um, what I will tell you is Chris Christie is from New Jersey. I should have said slavery right off the bat. But if you grow up in South Carolina, Literally, in second and third grade, you learn about slavery. You grow up and you have, you know, I had black friends growing up. It is a very talked about thing. We have a big history in South Carolina when it comes to, you know, slavery, when it comes to 
all the things that happened with the Civil War, all that, I was over, I was thinking past slavery and talking about the lesson that we would learn going forward. I shouldn't have done that. I should have said slavery, but in, in my mind, that's a given that everybody associates the Civil War with slavery. I was thinking past slavery. Girl, go on that bullshit. All right. Now, then the Confederate flag came up. And a bigger shovel was needed for the manure about to come out of her mouth. And to bring a divided state together and avoid riots and protests, the way we did that was I knew half of South Carolinians saw the Confederate flag as heritage and tradition. The other half of South Carolinians saw it as slavery and hate. My job wasn't to judge either side. My job was to get them to see the best of themselves and go forward. And South Carolinians showed what true strength and grace looked like because we didn't have protests, we had vigils. We didn't have riots, we had prayer. And South Carolina led the way, but that is the way we have to work on issues that try and divide us, is don't go and pick who's right and who's wrong and who's good and who's bad. That's what leaders are doing now, and it's caused us to be completely in political disarray. A leader doesn't decide who's right. When you serve the people, you serve everybody. And your job is to give them all the information you have and let them know where you want to go going forward. Now, y'all, this is the same Nikki Haley whose mama and daddy couldn't get a job in South Carolina, whose daddy was hired at an HBCU, whose mama, and Michael Harrod has broken this thing down uh, on Twitter multiple times, whose mama couldn't get nobody to buy the dresses she made. And it was black women who bought. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Her mama's dresses. But the same Nikki Haley, who's previously said that uh, they couldn't have black people over at their house because the landlord said, no, you can't do that. The same Nikki Haley, who went to one of those white private academies in South Carolina, you know, the ones created during Jim Crow, that was 95% white. Yeah, she didn't go to the public school. She went to that private academy. And, and listening to that nonsense, and I love the love, I, I had black friends. I just couldn't come to the house. Is that then you hear the Confederate flag one. First of all, real leaders call folk out. Well, they're supposed to. Do y'all remember the clip? Or the white woman, the old white woman at the, at the John McCain town hall who said that Obama wasn't a Christian and he was a Muslim. And no, no, ma'am. 
took the microphone out of her hand and said she was wrong. That ain't these Republicans. Nikki Haley has kissed the behind of white supremacists for decades. Nikki Haley doesn't want to be honest about the Confederate flag. She doesn't want to call it for what it is because she doesn't want to offend those white conservative Republicans and the white racists who actually vote Republican. That's all this was. And that's why she is grossly unfit for the Oval Office. Because if that's how you're going to weasel out of answers, oh, no, I, I was, that was, that was, the, no, I was thinking beyond slavery. Half of the question was about the Civil War. Oh, no, I, I was thinking beyond, I was thinking, how do we go beyond? The question was about the Civil War. How are you going to talk about how we go beyond? This right here, Kelly, are the games being played because Republicans appeal to white nationalists, white supremacists, and if they're, and I love it when these same Republicans, Kelly, keep talking about Democratic Party is the party of the KKK. Democratic Party is the party of Jim Crow. Facts, Southern Democrats. But who is the party that defends Confederate monuments today? Republicans. Who is the party that supports Confederate days like, oh, Jefferson Davis's birthday, Robert E. Lee, it's Republicans. Those are simple facts. Can't hear you, Kelly. There you go. Now we got you. What? I'm sorry. Now we got you. Go ahead. Oh, I said Miss Nimrata understands those facts and she's woefully and willfully ignorant of those facts because she needs votes from the very people who would have denied her parents entry into this country. Um, the hypocrisy of it all is astounding, but it still never ceases to amaze me how pervasive and addicting whiteness is. And I can't think of a better example of someone who is more addicted to it than Miss Nimrata Haley, um, who goes by Nikki Haley because white people would never vote for somebody named Nimrata. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. Michael. Roland, you know, um, this was a bunch of BS that Nikki Haley spewed. But um, let's, let, let me just say this succinctly. Nikki Haley knows better. First of all, South Carolina, where Nikki Haley was governor of, was the first state to secede from the Union December 20th, 1860, six weeks after Abraham Lincoln became president-elect. South Carolina thought that Lincoln was going to free the slaves. South Carolina is where the Civil War began April 12th, 1861, with the attack on Fort Sumter. Nikki Haley knows this history. She's afraid to say it because she knows she's going to lose the white supremacist votes. And if you read the statements of secession from South Carolina, uh, December 20th, 1860, they tell you how essential the products that slaves made were, were crucial to their wealth, crucial to their way of life. And they talked about how they feared uh, encroachment from the North and the North opposition to westward expansion of slavery. So uh, any of these Republicans that want to talk about the uh, uh, Democrat, wasn't the Democratic Party, but Democrats started the KKK, we can have that discussion, but you also have to talk about the Compromise of 1877, 
where Republicans conspired with Democrats to uh, to um, end Reconstruction. And Rutherford B. Hayes, the Republican candidate, when he became president, he removed the Union troops out of the South. So we have to talk about that, and we have to talk about the Lily White movement in 1928, which was the movement by Republicans to push African Americans out of the Republican Party, which is why we ended up in the Democratic Party. So we can have a history lesson right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered if you want to have that conversation. She is a fraud, Matt Manning, and all she wants to do is give cover to these white races and I'm willing to other people on both sides and so it's not my job to judge. Well, you were right and Chris Christie was right um, by evidence by both of those clips. I mean, it's obvious that she's afraid to speak the truth here because she doesn't want to lose, as Kelly mentioned, she doesn't want to lose social capital and as Michael mentioned, as, you know, turn people off. Um, but the thing that's ridiculous to me about this is honestly, this kind of harkens back to the same issue with Claudine Gay and um, Liz McGill with their answers in front of Congress. This is an easy answer. The Civil War was fought over slavery. Um, it infuriates me when people try to make it about states' rights and anything else other than states' rights for white people to own our people. That's it. That's the only question. She knows that. And I think it's intellectually dishonest not to answer that. And then the other thing about the Confederate flag and, you know, try to find the good in each other and move forward. Here's the thing that is just intellectually dishonest about anybody who is looking at it like tradition. These are the same people who are jingoists. I mean, as much as they crow America over everyone else, and if you don't, you know, stand and salute the flag at an NFL game, you're not a true American. Well, how can you then logically support the Confederacy in any means, right? Because that was a secession from the United States. So there's a lot of mental gymnastics that have to happen for this to happen, but it's obvious that she doesn't think that there's any loss in not saying the truth, which is that the Civil War was fought over slavery. And the thing about this is, this is a slap in the face to say, oh, I thought everybody knew it was about slavery, I'm going past slavery, when the truth is it was about slavery. And it should be easy for her to say that unequivocally, but because she's a politician and she's looking for votes and not the truth, um, this is the BS that we get instead. Yep, and then, and again, this whole, uh, no, I, 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 no, I was thinking past that. I was thinking going forward. What, what the hell? I'm sorry. What, what the hell is going forward? I mean, I, 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 yes. it, it, she, she's disingenuous. And let me say this here, and this is most important for black people to understand. The Confederate flag came down in South Carolina because of black blood being spilled. Nine, it took nine, let me be clear, it took nine black people being killed, gunned down by a racist white supremacist by the name of Dylan Roof. Otherwise, Nikki Haley would have done nothing when it came to that flag, and that flag would be still flying in South Carolina. Those are simple, basic facts that she does not want to accept. And so I've heard people say, well, no, you know, Nikki Haley did a remarkable job bringing people together. No, she gets no credit for that flag coming down because it was the blood of black people that brought that flag down. Pure and damn simple. All right, y'all, going to break. We come back. Omar Johnson loves to run his mouth. And when you run his, your mouth that much, you end up lying about some stuff. Well, he went on Joe Budden's podcast and was lying about an appearance on my TV One show from six years ago. And I ain't one have to address this. Oh, but I will. With receipts. 
And that's next on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Next on The Frequency, we're talking black women in fashion. My guest, Renee Wilson, is speaking on the challenges of starting her own fashion line. So I wanted to really be able to design the clothes, but add a modern twist to it so that we could wear these patterns in everyday wear and not just reserve it for our formal summer. That's next on The Frequency on the Black Star Network. This week on The Black Table with me, Greg Carr. Reparation, is it finally time? Two of the country's foremost authorities on the subject will join me to try to answer that very question. Powerful installment of The Black Table with me, Greg Carr, right here, only on the Black Star Network. On a next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, people can't live with them, can't live without them. Our relationships often have more ups and downs than a boardwalk roller coaster, but it doesn't have to be that way. Trust your gut. Whenever your gut is like, this isn't healthy, this isn't right, I don't like the way that I'm being treated, this goes for males and females. Trust your gut, and then whenever that gut feeling comes, have a conversation. Knowing how to grow or when to go, a step-by-step guide on the next A Balanced Life on Black Star Network. Don't you think it's time to get wealthy? I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and my new show on the Black Star Network focuses on the things your financial advisor or bank isn't telling you. So watch Get Wealthy on the Black Star Network. Grow your business or career with Grow with Google's wide range of online courses, digital training, and tools. Gain in-demand job skills with flexible online training programs designed to put you on the fast track to jobs in high-growth fields. No experience is necessary. Learn at your own pace. Complete the online certificate program on your own terms. Stand out to employers, get on a path to in-demand jobs, and connect with top employers who are currently hiring. Take one professional career certificate program, or all six. Earn a Google career certificate to prepare for a job in a high-growth field like data analytics, project management, UX design, cybersecurity, and more. All professional career certificate programs must be completed by December 31, 2024. Scan the QR code to complete the application. There are 1,000 scholarships available. Grow with Google and J. Hood and Associates. Be job ready and qualify for in-demand jobs. Fixes. I'm Dr. Bernard Hodges. And I'm Dr. Terrence Ferguson. And you're. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. 
tuned in to Roland Martin Unfiltered. Folks, now, I hate mess. I hate mess. I hate messy people. Um, I hate when people lie, things along those lines. Now, you got these people out here who run their mouths, and they love uh, mentioning my name. They love, you know, talking about what we do on this show. And I don't really care about any of them. I'm talking about I don't care about Tariq. I don't care about Boyce. I don't care about Vicky Dillard. I don't care about uh, that dude, Philip. I don't care about Black Authority. I don't care about... I'm like, go do what y'all do. I don't care about Umar Johnson the same way. I don't care. Go do what y'all do. I don't follow them. I don't listen to them. I don't track them. I really don't care what they have to say about anything. Go do what y'all want to do. We over here doing what we do, doing the job that we're supposed to be doing, and so I just don't get involved in all that back and forth, silly, nonsensical mess. But when you lie, when you go on other folk platform and you lie and just make up stuff, then I'm like, I got to go ahead and say something. So um, when I was on vacation, uh, somebody hit me up and they said that, um, they said that uh, uh, Umar Johnson uh, went on Joe Button's podcast and and said a few things uh, about me, about his appearance on TV One. It was six years ago, six years ago. So, uh, and he, so he, here's the setup. Umar had gone on The Breakfast Club, and it was a contentious appearance. They talked about his credentials, his school, all kind of stuff like that. So I saw all the back and forth. My staff saw all the back and forth. So I was like, go ahead and book him, bring him on the show. Okay? That's what happened. He comes on the show. Uh, he had been on the show three previous times. Same format, panel, no different. This time, two of the panelists took exception what Umar had to say. And at what point during the show, Umar was responding to Eugene Craig, conservative, called him a coon. I slammed my hand down and say, I don't allow that language or any racial epithets on my show. And so, that's really why he was upset. And so he went on and trashing me, trashing us. Oh, we attacked him. We ambushed him. It was a setup. And then he went on to claim that, oh, that when the show got canceled, that, he, that that appearance was the reason why the show got canceled. All lies, okay? So this all the crap he said before, whatever. So now he goes on Joe Button's podcast. And now he, now he got new lies. He tell it. All right, so we're going to do this here first. So when he got invited, he was told what the t topic was. He was told I everything involved with it. We would send a press release out about the subject matter. So this notion that, oh, I got ambushed is stupid because ambush means that I didn't, I didn't see any of this coming. I didn't know what was coming when we actually laid out what this topic was actually about. So to refresh people, this is literally how the beginning of that segment went six years ago on TV One. It's just how the beginning went. Go ahead. Um, um, it, it was amazing looking at this whole reaction. I mean, I'm sitting mm -hmm. here, uh, you know, again, people asking all kinds of questions, things are blowing up. Uh, and so many people jumped on saying, he's not a real doctor, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, where did you graduate from and you mm -hmm. got your PhD? Mm -hmm. My undergraduate 
education was from Millersville University, uh, three degrees, political science, psychology, master's in school psychology. Subsequent to that, Pennsylvania certification as a school psychologist, which I've been for almost 20 years. After that, I got my educational leadership master's degree and principal certificate from Lehigh University in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And I earned my doctorate degree from the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine, American Psychological Association approved program, one of the top psychology training programs on the East Coast. Six degrees in all, and anyone can lift up a telephone and call and verify those degrees. So when, when you see folks uh, who, who, who question uh, your degrees, your response? It's because my narrative is a whole lot different from the average mainstream black scholar. I don't parrot the narrative that the American social order wants black scholars to parrot. I tell the truth. I don't scratch unless I itch, and I don't dance unless I like the music. And because Okay. So you saw that that's literally how it all began, okay? And a little bit later, I'm gonna show you when things went sideways, uh, and this is really why he got upset. So he goes on Joe Button's podcast, which dropped last month, and Joe asked him about this so-called beef. Nothing like that. I didn't know that you had Roland Martin beef. Uh, <laughs> neither did I. What happened was I was on Roland Martin's show about two or three times before that final visit that led to the altercation, verbal altercation, not physical. It was uh, 2016. I had just done the Breakfast Club a week prior, and Roland Martin's people contacted me to come back again. This was either my third or fourth visit to News One Now. So I had been on the show before. We already knew each other. Okay. Never had a negative. Cordial. Always. Got it. This time was different because when I got there, as I waited in the dressing room, he came out the restroom and he didn't speak. He walked right by me. So Sutton says, Sutton's up today. Today going to be a little different because why would he walk by you and not speak? So when we finally got involved in the conversation, I kind of realized what was going on. I think he was a little jealous of the Breakfast Club fame. That interview went viral. All of them go viral, but that one went viral. And at that time, I guess he wanted to take some of the air out of my balloon so he questioned my credentials my blood relationship to the honorable frederick douglas a couple other things and i think he has set up his panel in such a way that i think they were supposed to intellectually massacre me they, uh, which nobody on the planet earth can do that they was gonna get and you. so they ended up getting intellectually massacred and that was the end of it but i didn't appreciate what he did the you know, i thought it was a bitch move uh, i've been on your show plenty of times you know, I'm driving down here from Philadelphia, taking time out of my busy schedule. I could be doing other things, and you use that time to try to insult me. But it backfired on him, and I think that's partly the reason why the show was canceled by the end of the year, because I'm very popular among black folks. Uh, I'm probably the most popular black scholar in modern history when it comes to mainstream black America, even though my views are considered rather controversial. And so when Roland Martin did that, I don't think he properly anticipated or calculated the collateral damage. But by the end of the year, he was off the television. All right, so y'all heard all that BS. So uh, we, gonna, we gonna do it this way. So we gonna replay that, and then we gonna unpack it with receipts. So re-rack that, please. Uh, and then um, I'll tell you when to stop. Nothing like that. I didn't know that you had Roland Martin beef. Uh, <laughs> neither did I. What happened was I was on Roland Martin's show about two or three times before that final visit that led to the altercation, 
verbal altercation, not physical. It was uh, 2016. I had just done the Breakfast Club a week prior, and Roland Martin's people contacted me to come back again. This was either my third or fourth visit to News One Now. So I had been on the show before. We already knew each other. Never had a negative. Cordial. Always. Got it. This time was different because when I got there, as I waited in the dressing room, he came out the restroom and he didn't speak. He walked right by me. So Sutton says, All right, y'all, when I do the show, I'm focused on the show. A lot of times, I don't even speak to the guests. A lot of times, I don't speak to the staff. When I'm locked on the show, boom, I'm going from makeup down to the studio. So, Umar, you ain't that special. A lot of it happens here. A guest can be sitting in the chair. I'm coming in. I'm getting stuff. I'm doing whatever. I don't have, I'm not sitting here talking to people, speaking to people, because I'm trying to focus on getting on the show. Now, that hurts your little ego, but that's just a fact. <laughs> now, press play. Right by me. So Sutton says, Sutton's up today. Today going to be a little different because why would he walk by you and not speak? So when we finally got involved in the conversation, I kind of realized what was going on. I think he was a little jealous of the Breakfast Club fame. That interview went viral. All of them go viral, but that one went viral. And at that time, I guess he wanted to take some of the air out of my balloon. So he questioned my credentials. My Umar, I literally was hosting a daily morning show on TV One. I was the Tom Jonah morning show three days a week. Why would I be jealous of you? Like, really? Why would I be jealous of you? I've gone viral numerous times. I don't get off about going viral. Because that means nothing. So, why? Would I remotely be jealous of you? See, this is the new lie. Because he hadn't used that one before. So now that's the new lie he's trying to spin. Dude, I, you mean nothing to me. Like, literally. I'm not jealous of, hell, anybody in media. Why would I be jealous of somebody not in media? I was speaking to millions every day, three days a week on a time during the morning show. You think I'm jealous because you went on the Breakfast Club? <laughs> Press play. Blood relationship to the Honorable Frederick Douglass, a couple other things. And I think he has set up his panel Stop in such dad. a way that I... So Umar says, oh, uh, he questioned all these things. Here's the problem, Umar. I don't delete emails. I have receipts. Go to my iPad. July 6, 2017. This is the actual email. I sent an email to the booker, the executive producer, as well as the senior producer on the show. Hey, Dr. Umar Johnson, book him on the show to discuss black Twitter, lighting him up about his recent Breakfast Club interview. The booker, Chandra Hughes, copy, will reach out now. That's the actual email. Why? What did I actually say in the video when he came on? People were talking about your appearance. And they were asking all these questions, and they were questioning your credentials. Oh, I'm sorry. 
Y'all might think that's not true, okay? But go back and actually watch the clip. I actually said it. So, you see the correspondence. Oh, then it was like, oh my goodness. I, uh, he set his panel up. Y'all, let me explain something to y'all. The panel don't know who coming on the show. Oh, how about this here? Uh, today's Matt. Uh, Michael <coughs> Kelly. Mm. Have, have y'all ever, ever, uh, were set up to say, hey, this person is coming on, so I need y'all to do this when this person comes on? No. I wouldn't do it Not if never. people don't tell me what to say. No, 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 but has it ever happened? Not Hell never. No. Now, I don't know what a panelist is going to say. All three of y'all can agree. Uh, matter of fact, if I'm if I'm correct, me and Michael got into it when he questioned one of them buying Donald's white wife. Oh, we got into a number. I, I don't. But the point I'm making, you and I, I, I don't, I don't even ask. Listen to me clearly, y'all. Now go back to go keep it on the panel. I need people to understand. <laughs> I don't even ask the panelists what they think, and let me explain to y'all why. Because when I was on CNN, they used to assume they knew what I was going to say. When I was on CNN, they would literally sit there and, oh, so-and-so is going to say this. When I filled in for Campbell Brown, we were discussing Michael Vick and if he served his time, should he come back to the NFL? And uh, there was, what's, what, what, what's, uh, what's Gloria, All, what, what's her daughter's name? Gloria All, Allred's oh, daughter. Uh, uh, she's the attorney. Lee. Lisa Bloom. Lisa Bloom. Lisa Bloom. So Lisa Bloom was a big time PETA person. And we're sitting there, and I'm I'm filling in for Kimber Brown. And 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 the senior producer goes, Oh, we know what Lisa Lisa thinks. And I said, Has anybody asked her? Roland, we know she's gonna be against Michael Vick coming back. I was like, Has anybody asked her? So the senior producer got pissed off at me. I turned to the book of Tara. I said, Tara, can you call Lisa and just ask? where she stands on this. She says, she comes back, folks, we have a problem. Lisa says that if he serves his time, he should be able to come back. I go, see, y'all always assume you even know what I think. I said, but you don't. So I don't ask a panelist. We don't set any panelists up. They could take any position they want to, and they actually did. So, Umar, you're lying again. Now, remember, y'all, he actually talked about, oh, my goodness, it was a, it, it was, it was a setup. It was, it was how I got set up. Remember all that stuff? Now, keep, keep playing it, because y'all going to hear it. Watch this. I think they were supposed to intellectually massacre me, they, uh, which they nobody on the planet Earth can do that. They was going to get and you. And so they ended up getting intellectually massacred, and that was the end of it. But I didn't appreciate what he did. The setup. You know, I thought it was side. a bitch move. Uh, uh, stop right there. Show plenty of stop right there here. Oh, oh, I didn't appreciate what he did. Now, you hear Melissa Ford say blindsided. He wasn't blindsided. Now, he said that lie before. He ambushed. Oh, I was ambushed. Really? Come back to my iPad. Y'all see this? Hi, hi, Susan and Roland. Here's a copy of today's release. Let me know your thoughts and thanks. This is a press release. The press release says... Uh, controversial psychologist Dr. Umar Johnson thinks interracial marriage negates efforts of black men dedicated to racial equality. So the press release lists in here in terms of 
uh, what was talked about. We told him the topic beforehand. He knew the topic beforehand. It was in the show tease. It was in the show intro. It was in the segment intro. So not blindsided, not ambushed. Folk just disagreed. But here was the point that this is really why Umar got. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Mad, upset. No, 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 no. From the interview from six years ago. And this is why he still got a bug up his ass. By murder hat. Based on right? what? So the idea that somehow a white person can't understand our struggle? I no could way. care less what they understand. I'm no asking way. you what have they done systematically he already to told improve you that. the opportunities he of white folks. He did not tell oh, me yes, that. Oh, yes, you did tell me that. He did not that. tell me that. You're gonna tell me that guys like Tim Wise and Reverend Wallace don't understand what about race in America? Tim Wise? They don't understand race he in America. Articulates racism. So, so what has he done to systematically? There are no white people that understand race in America. There's not a white person. There's no white people understand race in America. There's not a white there's not a white person in America who has ever worked to systematically eliminate the white privilege that they benefit from vis-a-vis -vis your oppression. You, you You're know, lying. You know, Eugene, you know Eugene, 190 million so, so, people in America. Eugene. In so, uh, so, so oh, 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 we're not going to go there. We're not, I haven't. Called me a liar and you're a cool. Well, it's a fact that watch you're lying. You talk it's a fact that you're lying. It's a fact that you're lying. I understand you want to say that. To say that. To say that. No, everybody, one second. Several things I don't allow. I don't allow the N-word. I don't allow coon. We can talk to one another and disagree, but I do not use racial epithets against and black people. And that's fine, but he called no, me no, a liar. No, 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 no. So I, the language no, no. these Ra ra Racial epithets will not be used on this show. And that's fine. By anybody. But how we talk no, no, to each but other needs You can to say whatever you want, but no racial epithets will be used on this show about black people to black people. Eugene, your question. So, come on. From your paradigm, from your perspective. That's really why so he has an I, attitude. That's why he's running around mad and upset because I checked him on that one. Oh, well, he called me a lie. Okay, fine. Call him a lie back. But you're not going to use racial epithets. But here is the biggest lie Umar Johnson told. Go ahead. He massacred, and that was the end of it. But I didn't appreciate what he did. To set you know, up I, I thought it was a bitch move. Uh, I've been on your show plenty of times. You know, I'm driving down here from Philadelphia, taking time out of my busy schedule. I could be doing other things, and you use that time to try to insult me. But it backfired on him, and I think that's partly the reason why the show was canceled by the end of the year, because I'm very popular among black folks. Uh, I'm probably the most popular black scholar in modern history when it comes to mainstream black America, even though my views are considered rather controversial. And so when Roland Martin did that, I don't think he properly anticipated or calculated the collateral damage. But by the end of the year, he was off the television. Boy, bye. Let me explain to y'all what happened here. I got word October that they were looking at either canceling the show or reducing the show to three days a week or once a week. So you know what I did? I actually put in an offer to take over ownership of the show. 
Let me explain to you why. Because we had cable contracts, we could not internally stream any of the shows digitally. So I was watching Dish Nation on TV One. And I went, wait a minute. How is Dish Nation on broadcast TV and we're airing it on TV One, but they streaming it online? So I went to our affiliate people and they said, oh, that's because we license. We license Dish Nation. I said, really? So what you're telling me is that if we license a show, then we will only have the cable rights to that show, and that's it. They said, yes. I said, well, I got a workaround. Because you got to remember, they only aired News One Now one time. They never, ever, they never, ever uh, put it on uh, VOD. They, they didn't re-air. So if you missed the show, you didn't tape it, that was it. Now, we used to sit here and go guerrilla style and stream the show all the time, even though legal told us twice to take it down. That's another story. So I put a proposal in to say, why don't y'all allow me to take over ownership of the show? I will then license the show back to you, and we'll set up a deal where your salespeople handle the back end. I was trying to come up with a way around the no streaming rule. October goes by, I submit the proposal to Alfred Liggins, the CEO, D'Angelo Proctor, who was our SVP programming. November goes by, I'm sending emails. Yo, hey, we gonna meet, we gonna meet, we gonna meet. Finally, December 9th, December 7th, one of those days, Alfred calls me to a meeting. Alfred Liggins, the CEO, I'm sitting here on the couch, D'Angelo Proctor sitting right next to me. And Alfred Liggins, the CEO, tells me that he's canceling News One now because in 2018, he was refinancing the debt of the company and he was slashing cost across the board because if they did not refinance the debt of, of Urban One, he would be paying a much higher interest rate on the debt. That's why it was canceled. Even that nonsensical BS press release they said put out, oh, it got canceled because of low ratings, that was a lie. Alfred Liggins, D'Angelo Proctor sitting in the meeting. And that's exactly what he told me. That's why the show was canceled. Now, there's a thing called ratings. And the way ratings work is it's really an algorithm. And so every, let me be clear, every black person watching television doesn't count in a rating. Let me say it again. So, Omar, you think you're smart. You don't know jack about Nielsen or TV ratings. You know nothing. Oh, I got a big old audience. No, it's an algorithm. And so, if you look at the number of black people who are in a Nielsen family, and the number of those black people who likely watch TV one, we would sometimes estimate as probably seven to 12 black people. And y'all might be saying, that's crazy. No, it's not. Because remember, they're tracking what people are watching all the time. Folks ain't watching us all the time. So we, we used to always joke, if, a, if one of those black families went to the bathroom or ran an errand or went to work early, man, our ratings would drop 
because you're only sampling a handful of people. So how do we know those things? Well, it's because every single day they will send out ratings reports. They will, they will literally send out uh, these various reports showing us uh, exactly what took place. How do I know that? Go to my email. Because I got them every single day. This is the report right here. These are daily ratings. You'll see they will show us right here. We cross comparison to our competitors. TV1, BET, Bounce, Centric, OWN, Bravo, Lifetime, MTV2, Oxygen, Up, VH1, WeTV. It will show you the household, P25, 2554, household ratings, median age, all that sort of stuff. But then they will also, inside of here, show you the overnight reports. And in the overnight reports, you see this is the summary. You see Monday overnight grid. This is the overnight grid. This right here is the Monday, Monday quarter hours. This is TV1 and competitive net ranker, meaning on that day, where did we rank among all of the shows? Hmm. This right here is the most important thing. That is the Monday quarter hours. As you can see, okay, you will see in the morning shows, we ran Ricky Smiley's show. Then there's News 1 Now. This is the day that Umar was on. You see this here, okay? We started the show out with a 0 .14, 0 .14, went up to a 0 .18, and went to a 0 .22, 0 .22 the time we closed. So it then shows you household. It shows you all this sort of stuff. Now, these are the ratings, okay? That was an excellent day for us, okay? But then when you, also, then when you go into the ratings, you all of a sudden go to other days, and guess what? So let's write right here. This is July 24th, a couple of weeks later. All of a sudden, you pull the overnight ratings up, and then you look at the overnight ratings as they, as they, as they uh, come up. They hit Monday quarter hours, and guess what? 0 0.15, 0 0.17, 0 0.16, 0 0.16. Okay, again, a decent day. Some days it was lower. Some days it was higher. And when I look at uh, August 16th, and I go into these ratings right here, uh, when I look at uh, right there, okay, this was a Monday, August 15th. Guess what? We had a pretty good day that day, which was, again, it was one of those things where, okay, what's happening on that day? Look at that, a 0 0.16, 0 0.15, 0 0.16, 0 0.16. Okay, you look at those numbers. Then you go to, again, you go to October 18th, uh, uh, no, September 27th. And the reason I'm doing this, y'all, is because I'm, I'm, I want you to see, because you need to see, y'all never get to see this kind of stuff. You never actually get to see how the sausage is made. Huh, on this day, 0 0.1, uh, 1, 3, 4, 0 0.16, 0 0.18, 0 0.19. I mean, we got, we went higher, higher as the show uh, continued, on and on and on. That's what happens. And so what happens? Your ratings go up, your ratings go down. Based upon what happens on that day, what a person is doing, you don't know what the audience is doing. So they're going to tune in, they're going to tune out, it matters. This right here, you see. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. 0 0.13, 0 0.14, 0 0.12, 0 0.12. So we can show, oh, right there, you see how we went up? Right there, 0 0.16, 0 0.15. 
these things happen all the time. The reality is this, y'all. There are multiple days between when Umar came on and when the show was over, when we met or exceeded the ratings when he was on. So, Umar, I know this hurts your fragile ego, but you literally had nothing, zero, absolutely zero to do with the show getting canceled. We literally moved on the next day. You are not that important. And I know that messes with your ego, but it, it's true. If you actually think you are the reason why the show ended, when Alfred Ligon said point blank, our show was a $5 million nut right there on the Excel spreadsheet. And it was easier to cut $5 million out of the budget to meet his financial target. And that's why the show got canceled. So here's the whole deal. Stop lying. Stop running around with your big ego and making stuff up. Go build your school. Go teach the students. Keep running your mouth on social media. Go give speeches. What you're not going to do is keep lying about what happened on the show. Because everything that you said was a flat-out lie, Umar. It was a lie then, and it's a lie now. Now, Matt, the reason I decided to take the time to do this here because it's clear that what we have going on, we got people who love to just, uh, just make up stuff. And I hate dealing with mess, but the problem I have is this here, and I've always said this here, and when I went on The Breakfast Club, I said this here to Charlemagne, DJ Envy, and Angela Yee. I have great respect for the microphone because what I understand is that what comes out of your mouth and comes through this microphone then goes to the public, and the public can choose to believe it or not believe it. And it's, inc it's incumbent upon anybody who has a microphone to have respect and reverence for the microphone and not make shit up. You a lawyer. There are sanctions if a lawyer goes into a courtroom and makes stuff up. Unfortunately, in media, nothing happens to most people because the lie gets told and folks just run with it. Well, and beyond that, unfortunately, that's a lot of times what people want to see is they want to see division, they want to see drama, they want to see, you know, an exacerbation of a beef, if you'll call it that. Um, I don't really have anything to, to add beyond, I mean, of course, any person is going to naturally feel like they need to defend themselves if somebody saying something dishonest or is mischaracterizing the truth of what happened. I would just say that, you know, hopefully this is the last time you have to address this and the last time it is addressed because we have much bigger fish to fry as a black community than issues like this. Uh, and I'm glad that you were able to show what truthfully happened as it relates to booking and all of that. But beyond that, I mean, we have way bigger issues. Of course. Democracy taken from us right now. And um, we need to not focus on such matters. So I'm glad you did what you need to do, but I think it's time to move on. Oh, first of all, I mean, I'm, the reason I'm not, I don't need to address it again, Kelly, because one, once you lay it out and you show the emails and you show what's factual, then that's it. But what I need our people to understand is don't get caught up in somebody else's narcissistic ego and gossip. And that, to me, is what oftentimes to happen where folk don't want to deal with reality, but they want to see the fight. And I got some people, and, 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 and that to me is the fundamental problem that we often see. And I'm just, and for me, you know what, if you lie, we gonna, we're just going to tell the truth and just call out the liars.
what I appreciate about what you did, Roland, <coughs> excuse me, is that you you came with receipts that we already knew what was going to happen. But what I appreciate is the fact that what you do not let happen is let sound bites replace truth, right? And that needs to be brought back in journalism in general, meaning people need to really respect true journalism and and not go for sound bites and not just go for people who they find appealing and marketable, whatever. I personally believe that 2024 will be the year of receipts. I think 2024 will be the year of standing on business because it's only been five days and it's just coming out the woodwork of things and and people just not letting lies stand, not letting reputations get jeopardized because somebody was in their feelings this one day. Um, and I have a lot of respect for you for that. Um, obviously, this is your show, and you're going to say whatever, but I definitely just wanted to put that out there regarding that. Now, regarding Umar Johnson specifically, I always say this about him, that he is a broken clock and that he is right twice a day. This was neither of those times. You know, Michael, when, after this, a lot of his people were on my social media page, sending me emails, and... Man, it'd be a part two. Umar saying the same thing. He was people in the chat room right now. I say it then, I say now. Umar Johnson will never be on my show again. Why? Because I'm not entertaining narcissistic, ego egomaniacal folks. When you lie like he has done for six years, why would I bring you back on my show? Why? And he's right. There were no issues beforehand, but he was angry at the two of the panelists disagreed with him. Dude, it happens. Everybody not going to agree with you. It happens. And so the bottom line is, and you not beyond getting questioned. But to the people out there who say, man, you need to bring them on, y'all need to... And I, this, this also kills me, Mike, when they say, no, man, we shouldn't have two black men fighting. They should be working together. No. No. Go do what you do. You're not in my lane. Go do what you do. You can go do what you do and help black people. I can go do what I do. But what I don't have to do is bring you back on the platform and deal with more foolishness. It's completely unnecessary, and it ain't going to happen. So let me address it like this, because I'm not going to get involved in the back and forth. Um, I know you, Roland, for years. I've known Umar for years. I actually met Umar before I met you, Roland. I met Umar back in 2012 here in Detroit. Um, I worked with Umar in the past, in various capacities. Had him on the African History Network show a number of times. Uh, I think about two years ago, we were both on Tammy Mack's show on the Fox Soul TV network with um, crazy-ass Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson. So, um, it, you know, if it's, a, if it's a situation where, um, and this is something that my teachers taught me, Professor James Small, Dr. Linda Jeffries, and Professor Kaba Hiawatha Kamenei. For me personally, if it's a situation where I have a disagreement with somebody or something like that, if it's Umar or somebody else, you know, I'm going to pick up the phone and call them. I totally understand what you're doing, Roland, because it's your show, and the first uh, incident happened on your show, so I'm not criticizing that. Um, but you may 
This is just a suggestion. I saying you have to do it. You may, at some point, try to reach out to Umar, not to bring him back on the show, but just to have a conversation. No need. Because what one, but one, one thing I one thing I do agree with is that to have two brothers like this, and Dr. Cleo Monago made this point as well, and it may have been you and Omar, uh, Umar or you and somebody else, to have, and this is not criticism either one of you, but to have two brothers that have a following and have stature, uh, have a public disagreement, whether it's, whether, not taking sides, but whether it's misunderstood or whether somebody is misstating something, whatever it is, is not healthy for the community in general. That's my point. Actually, here's what I so you, here's what I believe is healthy for the community. I believe that what is healthy for the community is when somebody lie publicly, they be corrected publicly. Now, he's had six years not to lie. He's lied for six years. So, and here's the other deal. I ain't blocked Umar. Oh, he blocked me. So I, I don't deal with the little petulant stuff. No, I don't make that no. phone. Here's, here's why I don't make that phone call. We don't make All that right. phone call because it's completely unnecessary. It's unnecessary again because a person shows their character by how they respond. He literally threw a fit. I mean, numerous posts trashing me and the show, calling us all kinds of names. You name it. I'm talking about. I mean, his people were on my page for a year after that. I still get people, man, you did Umar wrong. Why? Because we had him on the show and had him answer questions. But when your ego is so utterly ridiculous and that you lie, sorry. I mean, I'm just, I mean, what I don't tolerate are massive liars. And again, let me be perfectly clear, and I've said this about all these other people. I don't, they can go do whatever they want to do. All of them, Tariq, Boyce, Philip, Umar, Vicky, all them people, they can go do whatever they want to do. I don't need to go on their shows. I don't need to talk to them. I don't need to have them on here. We're going to keep doing the work. But I've said this perfectly clear, and, I, and, and, and Matt's right. I, I'm only addressing this because it came up on the Joe Button podcast, and I didn't have to dedicate this much time. But the reason I'm dedicating this much time is because what I need our people to understand is that you judge a person by their character. I showed you the receipts. He's flat out lying. Now, if he wants to keep lying, knock yourself out. But what cannot happen, what will not happen, is if somebody spread lies and think they're not going to get corrected. Simple but as that. Also uh, but also, black people aren't a monolith. Like, you've had sh people on your show who are conservative, you've had people on your show who are liberal, and you disagree with them just as much as anybody else, respectfully. And I remember that <clears throat> clip clearly because Eugene is a friend of mine. We both went to Bowie State together. And while we did not <laughs> always get along because of our political views, by and large, the respect has always been there because we are not monolithic and we can come together and have discussion. And I'm assuming that that was the hope for that particular show with the panel, yourself, yeah. and Dr. Johnson. And people and are going to disagree. That's fine. I mean, I, I, I got no problem with disagreement. 
Right. And, and, but moreover, you are respectful in that disagreement. When Dr. Johnson, and I use that term loosely, called Eugene a coon, that's where the decorum went out the window. Yep. Like, he bought into that. He, he initiated the disrespect by calling someone outside their name, whether you believe that or not. Well, and, um, and again, you could, yeah. you, 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 could, you could disagree any way you want to. I'm not going to elaborate your epithets. But the, I'm going to say this, and this, I think this, this is finally, this is important. Somebody, somebody said in the chat, Roland, uh, you, 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 your back and forth with Umar was, had some of the highest, uh, was one of the most viewed on YouTube. Let me explain something to y'all. I don't do clickbait. Now, let me explain to you what that means. There have been numerous opportunities for me to do what I consider to be messy discussions that are going to generate lots of views. I've said no. By the way, the Umar back and forth, when that, when that show six years ago, that's not the most viewed video we've ever had. In fact, y'all want to know what's the actually the most viewed? If y'all want to understand the importance of topics, the most viewed segment I've ever had was when cancer doctor Hadiah Nicole Green, I put her on television for her first TV appearance. That interview with her has exceeded 15 million views. Double the number of people who watched the Umar interview. Why do I say that? We were talking about curing cancer. We were showcasing a brilliant black woman who has come up with a way to get rid of cancer. Folks, that's called impact. And what I've done, I've invited her to numerous opportunities to meet with people, to meet with billionaires, to meet with others, to help her raise the $30 million for her, for her foundation. And she's trying to raise the money because she doesn't want to take money from pharmaceuticals. I'm saying that because what I need people watching to understand is we need to get out of, and matter of fact, somebody tweeted this, and I loved... I loved, loved, loved this comment that I read the other day. And it really was, because they were talking about, matter of fact, I think this person was talking about that podcast interview. Uh, and, the, and, and the person said this here, and I think it nailed it. And what she said was, she said, I, I, she said, I enjoy conversations about evolution, history, art, education. What may, what may affect me within the next five years on an interpersonal level piques my curiosity. But all this shit that's for engagement, not enlightenment, nope. All of this stuff that's for engagement and not enlightenment. Our goal with this show and the stuff that we do, yes, we have fun. Yeah, we joke. I know it's Kappa's anniversary today, and I would play the video of them dropping canes. Yeah, we love having the fun back and forth. But that's the whole point, folks. It is about enlightenment. It's about teaching. It's about understanding. When we as black people 
get so locked into gossip and the fighting back and forth and all this sort of stuff, what do we gain from that? Seriously, what do we gain from it? What do we gain when the folks are going back and forth in a fight? What do we actually gain from it? I need our people to understand in 2024. Matt talked about it. There are major issues on the table. And there's a lot of stuff that's serious. And you know what? I don't believe in being serious all the time. I believe in laughing and having fun and doing lighthearted segments. But if there's one thing that television has always loved, that radio's always loved, that social media's always loved, they love when black people are spending so much time on gossip and mess that we're not paying attention to all the other real stuff that's happening. And if we actually applied the amount of time that we spend on gossip and mess to real stuff, man, you would see a completely different black America. And our goal, the Black Star Network, is to be that platform. You want real conversations and real solutions? We'll have them. If you want minstrel shows and you want ego battles and you want all that, not interested. Because we don't understand what we need. But I told y'all, my philosophy has been the same. If you do good, I'll talk about you. If you do bad, I'll talk about you. At the end of the day, I'll talk about you. Just do one thing. Don't lie on me. Then you got a problem. I'll be right back. This week on The Black Table with... My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Greg Carr, reparation, is it finally time? Two of the country's foremost authorities on the subject will join me to try to answer that very question. Powerful installment of The Black Table with me, Greg Carr, right here, only on the Black Star Network. Next on The Frequency, we're talking Black women in fashion. My guest, Renee Wilson, is speaking on the challenges of starting her own fashion line. So I wanted to really be able to design the clothes, but add a modern twist to it so that we could wear these patterns in everyday wear and not just reserve it for our formal ceremonies. That's next on The Frequency on the Black Star Network. Mitchell, a news anchor at Fox 5 DC. Hey, what's up? It's Sammy Roman, and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered.
Sophia Rowland has been missing from her Tacoma, Washington home since December 6th. The 13-year-old is 5 feet 5 inches tall, weighs 135 pounds, with brown hair and brown eyes. Anyone with information about Sophia Rowland is urged to call the Tacoma, Washington Police Department at 253-287-4455, 253-287-4455. A 2023 job market ended better than expected. December's job support showed employers adding 216,000 positions for the month and the unemployment rate held at 3.7%. The black unemployment rate dropped to 5.2%. The black male uh, rate dropped nearly two points to 4.6%, while, while women remained at 4.8%. The jobs report brought 2023 job gains to 2.7 million, or a monthly average of 225,000, down from 4.8 million, or 399,000 a month in 2022. That's more than 14 million jobs uh, added since President Biden took office, the most of any president in any term. I must say, Michael, uh, all the folks who were yelling, recession, recession, recession. I swear we heard that for 15 months, didn't happen. And also, inflation is now at pre-pandemic levels. Oh, did they say Bidenomics was never going to work? Yeah, they said Bidenomics was never going to work, and some of those same people are the ones who are uh, supporting Donald Trump. They're some of the same ones who uh, helped to uh, orchestrate the uh, insurrection, either uh, and uh, try to um, overturn election results in the House of Representatives. People like uh, Mike Johnson, rep um, rep House, House of Representatives uh, Mike Johnson, Republican from Louisiana. So I find it uh, very interesting that the same people who root for America, for the American economy to fall, are some of the same people who are embracing authoritarianism and supporting Donald Trump. Okay, so these people have to be defeated November 2024. But this is another uh, good uh, jobs report. You know, I get a kick out of these, uh, these uh, stuck on stupid people. Uh, uh, Kelly, I got some fool, Vincent G, or uh, here comes Rolanda caping for Biden. No, it's called facts. It's actually called facts. And see, what you have here are people who Inflation Reduction Act. Oh, Republicans yell, that's not going to do anything for the inflation. It did. It did. So make up your mind, okay? You can't give Trump credit for jobs, but then say, oh, no, 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 they don't count for Biden. You can't say, oh, wait a minute, black unemployment was this under Trump, but it's lower under Biden. No, 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 Biden ain't got nothing to do with that. Pick up your mind. Well, they can't make up their minds because they go where the propaganda and the lies are in order to feel relevant in, in discussions like this. The fact of the matter is, the Inflation Reduction Act is doing its job. The fact of the matter is, the, the jobs report have consistently been positive for the duration of Biden's administration. Um, the fact of the matter is that everything regarding recession, regarding fear, is just that. It is fear. It is fear-mongering. It is propaganda pushing because the agenda is that they don't want Biden in office. And if Democrats stay on the ball and keep the narrative of what Biden's administration has been doing, what legislation has been able to do, we will have a positive 2024 election. Um, and that's 
all I can ask for at this moment because it's it's not even about be getting better. We need to stabilize in order to get to better at this point. You know what? Uh, I, I, this was real interesting here. This was a conversation on CNBC because, Matt, all we kept hearing, the economy is awful, the economy is awful, the economy is awful. Um, listen to this. Uh, 36 months of job growth. Right. I think 20 plus of sub 4% unemployment as we stay at 37. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it, two, what, it's 2.7 million jobs added in the full year. It's just, a, it, it's a great economy and there's nothing about you can do about it. It's a great economy. Okay, so uh, and Matt, that's what I'm laughing about. There's nothing you can do about it. It's a great economy. Isn't that what we want? Yeah, yeah, it's exactly what we want. And it's funny we're talking about this today because The Atlantic did <coughs> uh, a podcast episode called Why a Good Economy Feels Like a Bad One. Um, I haven't listened to it yet, but my understanding is the premise is that, you know, the metrics show that the economy is doing well, but the sentiment in the country is that the economy is not doing well. And to Kelly's point, I think some of that is the natural byproduct of propaganda, but also people, frankly, not knowing how to evaluate the actual metrics um, and buying whatever echo chambers version of the economy being good or bad they're being presented with and not looking at the numbers on paper. What I did think was interesting about this, though, is uh, part of this boon was 52,000 new government jobs. And I'm wondering what the phenomena is behind why that would happen in December. Um, I would see that maybe with retail or somewhere else. But I thought that was an interesting metric. But I think this is a good thing. And, you know, once people recognize that it's actually a good thing, then we can settle into uh, some of those fears being allayed. So, but see, here's, here's the thing here, uh, Michael, and this is what people have to understand. If all you, first of all, if all you get from the right wing is doom and gloom, mm -hmm. and I need people to understand that Fox News ranks as one of the top cable networks, not cable news networks, top networks. So now you're getting that constant drumbeat, awful, terrible, bad, sucks, awful, gas prices too high, food too high, Eggs, $10 a dozen, constant, constant. And then the conservative radio. And then all of a sudden, then when you watch stuff, you, you, the television shows, send the reporter out to a gas station to show when gas is $5 a gallon. Oh, gas dropped to $2.79. Don't send a reporter out. So when you have that con it's constant deal, and remember, I swear, for at least 15 months, every day, Recession, recession. Remember, Jamie Dimon, Debbie Morgan, Jeff Bezos, Amazon, Goldman Sachs, they were all saying, recession's coming, recession's coming. So what happened? Amazon cut, made a cut, Facebook cut. All they start cutting, cut. Here come a recession. It never came. Exactly. Is that's the propaganda of the media. And uh, for Republicans, basically the number one news source is Fox News. So they're listening to this doom and gloom on Fox News and they repeat it. Then it's reinforced by a, a white conservative uh, right-leaning talk radio. Okay. Um, so once again, this is why facts matter. This is why the Black Star uh, Network matters. And I would encourage people to read this document, fact sheet, how the Inflation Reduction Act helps black communities. is at whitehouse.gov, and it goes through and it shows you how the Inflation Reduction Act that no Republicans in the House or the Senate voted for, and the only reason why this bill passed in the Senate is because Vice President Kamala Harris was a tie-breaking vote. 
okay? Because the vice president presides over the Senate. This is why this passed. It talks about law and prescription drugs. Uh, uh, it talks about uh, diabetes drugs. It talks about um, uh, climate change and, and uh, dealing with energy, things like this, and climate change. It, it uh, uh, combat climate change and lower energy costs. It takes you through step by step and shows you how the Inflation Reduction Act that no Republicans in the House or Senate voted for are helping the African-American community. So if Republicans say they're so good for African-Americans, where are your policies? Where are they? Show them to us. And why didn't you get any of them passed in the House of Representatives in 2023 when you only got 27 bills passed in the House? You didn't even get a budget passed in the House. We're on the second continuing resolution. The government could shut down possibly in February if they don't pass a budget, okay? So game recognizes game. Proper documentation ends all conversation. The, the, the thing here for me, Kelly, and, and I, I, I love these people, well, you, you just out here, you just in their pocket. Uh, man, they're your handlers. I mean, wh what are you doing? Because I'm paying attention. It's because I'm not dumb. I also know how to read. Now, am I denying the reality if there are people in the country hurting? Absolutely not. But if I'm correct, because I know I am, because we covered it, during the budget negotiations, the Republican Party literally wanted to slash food benefits to 80% yep. to women and children. 80%. For all y'all out there who act like the $132 billion in student loan debt was forgiven, that wasn't a big deal, guess who wants drastic cuts to Pell Grants? Republicans. Guess how most black kids go to college? Pell Grants, financial aid. What the hell do y'all think is going to happen if they get control? Mike Johnson right now is fighting the Republicans in the House because they want to completely restructure the farm bill because that's the SNAP benefits. So right. who are we kidding here? So for all y'all people who sitting here, man, there you go, uh, uh, ride with Biden. I got two choices here, Kelly. I got two choices. I got Biden, Harris, and Democrats, and I got Republicans and Trump over here. Hmm, which one of those folks is probably gonna do something for regular ordinary people? Now, let me be real clear. I could be like a whole bunch of these conservatives, like, that's not my tax bracket. I'm good with those tax cuts. But I know damn well it hurts our people. Here's the thing. Like, I mean, I, all I can do is echo the sentiments that you, you just stated. Um, what I find even more ironic is that the people who... are conservatives themselves like they are the ones like most a lot of conservatives in this country are the ones who need snap a lot of the conservatives in this country are the ones who need medicare who are the ones who actually benefit the most from affordable health care and the affordable health care act in fact there was an article not too long ago i think it was within the last week or so where they were talking to conservatives and they were saying how they don't want to vote for biden again but they also want to keep the health care benefits that they have. And they are literally in a conundrum about this because they are just now realizing that should they vote for a Trump or a Trump equivalent, that those things will go away. So how are they going to get 
their medicine? How are they going to get their treatment? Um, it, it, it is fascinating to me, the cognitive dissonance between what their ideology is and who's actually helping them. I mean, here's, here's a, Matt, here's was a per perfect example. We saw it this week. Drug manufacturers now come out and go, we're going to be capping insulin at $35. Mm -hmm. Matt, do you know why that happened? Because the Democrats in the House and the Senate, every Republican voted against capping of insulin. In fact, the Republicans want to pull, repeal that, and they want to go back to where seniors can be charged for $800 a month for insulin. This is a perfect example. This is a perfect example of two, the priorities of two different people. One party, Republicans, say no caps, charge seniors up the wazoo because we need the corporate profits of big pharma to be huge. Democrats say no, cap insulin at 35 bucks for people on Medicare. That's where, where, where it should be. It's real clear. Like, that, that, every Republican voted against capping insulin. What do they think is going to happen, Matt, if the Republicans control the White House, the House, and the Senate? You can get rid of those insulin caps. They're gone. I would agree, but what defies logic is why people continue supporting, as Kelly alluded to earlier, continue supporting policies and politicians whose, whose uh, politician, you know, <laughs> ideology, excuse me, are directly contradictory to their lives. Because, I because mean, Howard Dean said in 2004, God, gays, and guns, and in 2024, caravans, caravans, here they come, the, the, the legals, here they coming, while your ass is getting fleeced, because you know who also loves those, those illegal uh, immigrants who love those migrants coming over? All those folks who employ them, and, right. get, and a lot of them are conservative, company owners. Matt, go ahead. And all of these people who like to go to HEB and pay less for their produce. I mean, let's just keep it real. They want that, they want that migrant labor, but they want the political capital to say that they're against it. And that's really what it comes down to. See, a lot of these conversations presume that there's continuity in these ideological positions, but there isn't. There's a moving goalpost. There's a state's rights unless it's you don't like it, right? There's a, we're against welfare, but it's okay if those good white Midwestern farmers need subsidies. We don't call that welfare, but we call welfare if it looks like, you know, somebody like us who needs, needs help. So the reality is we're not talking about um, ideological continuity. And to your point right now, there are very clear lines of demarcation, but it's interesting you bring up healthcare in particular, because that's one of the things that always surprises me that it is not a line in the sand, especially for seniors in this nation, right? It is so expensive, healthcare, uh, it's absurd how we treat it as a commodity, but it's, it's surprising to me that people keep voting for conservatives hook, line, and sinker despite their promulgation of this system that doesn't democratize healthcare. And to me, I don't understand how we as people as a whole are not saying, hey, that's where we draw the line. We should all at least be able to be healthy. But to your point, there are two very clear camps. And I don't know how long that's going to persist, but I see it especially here in Texas, a lot of those um, contradictions uh, where they're continuing to vote for people whose interests are directly counter to theirs. Last point I want to make, because that's, there was somebody who was in uh, on, the pay, on the YouTube channel, and they were talking about 
Oh my goodness, gas prices are so high. Let me help y'all out. Do you know what contributes mostly to high gas prices? State taxes. So when you're blaming Biden, Harris, or Democrats, or even if you're blaming the Republican, it ain't the federal government, y'all. Because let me also help y'all out, okay? And here's the deal. Stop believing the, believing the Republican lie. Are y'all aware that the United States, listen to me carefully right now. Matter of fact, y'all are not going to believe me. You, I'm just going to type this in. U.S. produces record oil levels. I'm typing this in. See, this is what happens when y'all need to stop listening to the right wing, set the narrative, and for you to believe it. Hmm. December 1st, 2023, New York Times. Go to my iPad. Surging U.S. oil production brings down prices and raises climate fears. American oil production is hitting record levels. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Mm-mm. Look at that, y'all. That's a chart. It goes from 1920 to 2023. The United States is producing 12 million barrels of oil per day. Let me tell you what happens with the oil companies. Y'all, I am from Houston, Texas. It is the petrochemical capital of the world. When oil prices are low, oil companies are not making as much money. Mm -hmm. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council hate low gas prices. When oil prices are high, they love it. OPEC, when OPEC meets and they say they're cutting oil production, when Russia announces they're cutting oil production, it's because they want to make more money. You lower the amount of oil being produced, higher demand, higher prices. <laughs> so when y'all, we are yelling, Gas too high. Y'all, that's because, remember they were mad at Biden? He's, de he's de depleting the U.S. oil reserves. It's now back right. to, the, to the levels. Don't fall for the okie doke people. And Matt, that's the, this is the last comment for all the panelists. And this is what I'm talking about here. And somebody said this about another issue. I, I, actually, it was uh, somebody made this point. We need to stop reading headlines and actually get real facts and information. But that's, all too, that's happening all too often. We see a headline, we see a meme, and people run with mm -hmm. it, and, I'm, and, and, it, and it drives me crazy. And I think that's one of the reasons why Biden's numbers are so low is because all we have heard for three years is the economy is tanking, it's tanking, it's gonna tank, it's gonna tank. People are guiding, like, they're the, the, the raising interest rates. Matt, interest rates couldn't stay at 0% for another 10 damn years. You, I mean, they were already low for 15 years. 
This is basic economics, but unfortunately, people are caught emotionally, and that's what's driving a lot of this narrative. And it's confirmation bias. I mean, just like you showed the clip with Jim Cramer earlier, unfortunately, it's a good economy. When it comes to Mr. Biden, especially with him having very low approval ratings, there are people not only looking for everything to attack him on, but looking for everything to not attribute to his administration, even if it's positive. And that's what you have. You have the echo chambers about, just like you talked about, algorithms. If you get on social media, everything that is sent to you is based on, obviously, what you've looked at before. But a lot of that stuff will characterize everything in the light that it thinks will be most receptive to you. And to Michael's point earlier, people who watch Fox News, I mean, Fox News does the most mental gymnastics to try to find a way to make objectively good things bad if they're attributed to Mr. Biden and the inverse with Mr. Trump. So it's, it behooves us to really be looking at the metrics to determine for ourselves what the truth is as it relates to the economy and any other issue. And so I'll go back to my iPad, Kelly, it says it right here, with the surge in output, gasoline <clears throat> prices have fallen by close to $2 a gallon since the summer of 2022 and are back to levels that prevail in 2021. For all the for all the people uh, for all, uh, uh, for all the people who were talking about, uh, remember we were talking about uh, uh, remember eggs and people were going crazy. Oh my God! Oh my God! Eggs is uh, 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 eggs are um, uh, 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 $10 a dozen. Well, first of all, you had the plants where 100,000 uh, chickens were killed. Uh, then uh, um, then you had this here again. People were like, oh my goodness, what actually happened here? Guess what? Go to my iPad. There literally was, there literally was, give me one second, uh, give me one second. Uh, give me one second. Come back to me. Come back to me. Let me fix this here. Uh, there was a trial, Kelly. There was a trial. Now go back. Cal Maine, the country's biggest egg producer, got hit, y'all, in a price fixing case. They were price fixing the cost of eggs. Right. They were ordered to pay. It, it, it's right. It's right here, y'all. It's right here. They were price fixing. So when people go, "Damn it, Biden, eggs are too high," when you got the largest egg producer in the country, <coughs> where a jury concluded, it's right here. They allege the egg producers engage in a conspiracy to reduce supply in an attempt to increase the price of eggs. This included exporting eggs to reduce the overall supply in the domestic market and limiting the number of chickens through means including cage space and flock reduction. That's what they were doing, Kelly. I can only imagine how many other industries do something similar, and that is why our prices are the way they are. Um, you know, America has is historically known to be like the the land of opportunity and surplus and and things that other countries don't have. So when we have, you know, orange juice that's six dollars a gallon or eggs that are ten dollars a carton, it, I never think that it's because of an actual shortage. I think it's be, I always think that it's because somebody is hiking the price to basically be greedy. Um, but all that to say, in this case, uh, certainly has nothing to do with Biden. Um, it has everything to do with greed. And if you want people to be greedy and stay greedy, vote for the Republicans, because that's what the their whole 
shtick is about, um, being conservative with their money and making other people spend theirs. Well, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to leave us on this one here, Matt, excuse me, uh, uh, Michael, and this is what's important right here. And Robert Wright talked about this here. He said in 1989, the super rich held $472 billion in unrealized capital gains. In 2022, that figure was $8.5 trillion. If people want to understand why the super rich support Republicans, why Republicans hate the IRS, why they want, why they want to get rid of those additional IRS agents, because those IRS agents are going after the super rich, how they have been cheating the American economy. And for every person who's watching and listening right now, guess what? You are paying 27, 30, 32, 35, 39, 43 percent in taxes, and they're sitting here, and because how this game work, gains work is, oh, these are unrealized gains, but they actually have it. They go out and take out loans and credit lines and live off the credit line because they have these unrealized capital gains. They do ne they never want to see these capital gains, these unrealized capital gains taxed. And so again, y'all, it's right here. It's gone from 472 billion to 8.5 trillion, and they do not want that tax co that tax code change because that helps line their pockets. Yeah, former Secretary Robert Wright is correct, and uh, Donald Trump's two trillion dollar tax cut to the to the uh, rich uh, helped. Uh, helped uh, them as well. And we know Donald Trump added about $8.2 trillion to the national debt in four years. But the point I was uh, trying to make just a few minutes ago, Roland, when you talked about uh, Democrats and Republicans, uh, just very quickly here, uh, a lot of people, especially some African-Americans, are talking about uh, voting third party for president. And I want people to know that no third party candidate has won a single electoral college vote since 1968, when Governor George Wallace of Alabama won 46 electoral college votes. It takes 270 electoral college votes to become president. You get to 270 by winning the popular votes in the state. And that's how you get the electoral college votes associated with the state. And if uh, no candidate reaches 270, yep. because say you have a third party candidate, then it's decided by the House of Representatives, they vote by delegation. There are 50 delegations in the House. Republicans control 26 out of 50. You just need 26 to uh, declare president. So if Trump loses the popular vote and the electoral college vote, Republicans who control the House could vote for him based upon delegation, and he could become president again. People don't understand how serious this is. People need to read the U.S. Constitution. Uh, or just read something. All right. Uh, Matt, Kelly, Matt, and uh, Michael, I appreciate y'all being with us on my first day back in 2024. Thank you so very much. Uh, let me also right. thank uh, Candace. Who else filled in while I was gone? Candace filled in. Uh, Greg December Carr filled 15. in. Is that it? Anybody else? December Anybody else filled in? December Michael, 15. calm down. Michael, Michael, I got you. Calm down. I'm asking Carol. <laughs> Chill out. Like, he let me, I filled in. Okay, I got you. I'm getting to you, too. That's why I asked Carol. So let me thank uh, Candace. Uh, Greg and Michael for filling in while I was uh, on vacation, folks. Actually, it was the longest vacation I've ever taken. I haven't taken two weeks. My longest before was 10 days. Uh, so I needed to uh, chill, unwind, because it's going to be a crazy 2024. All right, folks, uh, that's it for us. We appreciate you watching the show. Don't forget, support us in what we do. Uh, we are out here doing what's right. We're not dealing with lies. We're not dealing with all this little silliness. We're talking about facts. So you can understand how 
this world impacts you and affects you. Uh, and so please, your support to, for us uh, doing this is critical. So, so join our Bring the Funk fan club. We set this up because when we launched this show, um, September 4th, 2018, I did not want to charge a subscription fee. I did not want to go to Patreon and only say donors can watch this content. Now, some people have done that. They made lots of money. I wanted this content widely available to the masses. And that's why we do what we do. Uh, and so we did, we're not charging for it. We make our money off of advertising. We make our money off of your donations. That's just straight up fact. That's how we make our money. Uh, and so when you support us, when you, uh, uh, when you uh, send that check, a money order, when you uh, sit here and uh, donate via Cash App, PayPal, these platforms, uh, I, I'm telling you right now, it's huge for us. Um, the money that you have sent has paid for television screens, uh, has paid for uh, staff, has paid for travel, uh, has paid for cameras, has paid for stuff getting fixed. Uh, and so uh, everything in here, everything in here, um, I launched this with $350,000 of my own money and one sponsor, and we built this, uh, but we can't, uh, and again, our costs are $195,000 a month for everything. All shows, all producers, all staff, all freelancers, rent, you name it, that's what the costs are. The costs are real. Uh, and so uh, that's why we ask for your support. Our goal is very simple, to get 20,000. 20,000 of our fans contribute much as they want to, as less possible. As long as we get to that million dollar goal, that's really where our goal is. And so we said, hey, 20,000 of you contribute on average 50 bucks, which comes out to be $4.19 a month, 13 cents a day, then we hit that $1 million goal. Uh, and so you can do so by contributing to Cash App. Dallas and RM Unfiltered, PayPal are Martin Unfiltered, Venmo is RM Unfiltered, Zale, Roland at RolandSMartin.com, Roland at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Again, P.O. Box. Uh, 57196 Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Folks, I'll see y'all on Monday right here on the Black Shed Network. Holla! When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. Hi, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council.